This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, verse number one. And uh, we are in the second installment of a series we're calling Your Word. And... Um, is a particular passion of mine that you would not build your life on a political landscape or build your life based upon what society wants to tell you. But I'm hoping that you're building your life on what God's word says. And you know, God's word is the only thing that will last forever. And uh, fads, trends, politicians come and go, but God's word will last forever. And I hope no matter what your age or season of life that you're continuing because you don't just do it one time, but you're continually building your life on the promises and the truths of who God is. Amen? This is Isaiah chapter 55. And interestingly enough, the title or the bold in your Bible would call Isaiah chapter 55, the title of this chapter is an invitation to the abundant life. Now, maybe not all of you realize this, but Zoe, or as they say on the streets, Zoe, uh, Zoe Church, it's a Greek word, and Greek uh, word meaning abundant life. I'm excited. Tonight we're reading Isaiah 55, God's invitation into the Zoe life. God's invitation into the abundant life. Just be clear tonight. God didn't invite you just to live a life. God has invited you to the abundant life. And uh, we're not trying to skimp by. Come on, we are more than blessed in Christ Jesus. And so this is God's invitation into the abundant life, the Zoe life. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and almond milk without money and without cost. Thank you for the laughs. Without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not gluten-free bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fair. Verse number six, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Verse number eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Verse number 10, now verse number 10 and verse number 11 are, are where we're going to land tonight, so pay close attention to these two verses. Jesus is going to give a metaphor and liken his word to something. Verse number 10, he'll liken it, and then verse 11, he'll explain. So watch what it says, verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so... He's likening this. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountain and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands instead of the thorn bush. You will grow the juniper and instead of the briars, you will grow the myrtle. This will be the Lord's renown for the everlasting sign that will endure forever. Ah, I love this 
invitation to the abundant life. God is inviting us into his kingdom. This is a prophecy about life after Jesus, that once Jesus comes, we get the abundant life. We do not get the abundant life because we live in America. We do not get the abundant life because we go to a church. We get the abundant life because of the salvation of heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah, talking about what's going to happen when Jesus comes, salvation will be here, and you and I will no longer settle for life, but now we have the abundant life, the Zoe life in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. I want to preach a message tonight. You can write this down in your cellular device, unless it's a Samsung, don't open it, because that thing might explode. But um, <laughs> they don't let you have it on planes, you shouldn't have it at church. But um, <laughs> that's awesome. But um, write down your phone or your notebook or your mall skin, whatever. I want to preach a message tonight called Void That Check. Void That Check. And I'm going to pray one last time and believe that God will speak. God, thank you for our community, Zoe. Thank you that we have been invited into the abundant life from you. We receive this invitation. We receive your word. Thank you that you are so good and gracious. God, we're praying not only for America, but we're, we're really praying, praying for ourselves tonight. Lead us and speak to us. Reveal your will and your nature and your character. We love you more than life itself. Thank you for being so faithful, so merciful, and so good. God, we are reminding ourselves of those truths today. And God, as we conclude a day of sports in Los Angeles, we thank you that a miracle broke out and we beat the Jets as the LA Rams. God, we know you don't allow them to win very often. So whenever it comes, we're going to take what we can, Lord, and celebrate these few small victories. And so we thank you that you let a miracle happen today in Jesus' name. And we all sit together. Yeah, it's the weakest amen I've ever heard. <laughs> right now, the Seattle Seahawks, which is where I'm from, Seattle, are pl playing the, uh, the New England Patriots, which this young man who is yet to come to Jesus uh, is a very lost sinner. He's uh, in our college. That's why he's in the college, because he doesn't know God. And he still roots for the Patriots. We're believing that that demon is going to come out of this young man. Church, stand your hands this way. Let's pray for God deliver him in Jesus' name. Deflate gate be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, anybody here? You um you like anybody enjoy you like going out to eat. People that love restaurants, let me just see your hands. Love going, I love going out to eat. Ain't nothing better than going out to eat. We're going to sizzle. We're going to, I love going out to eat. Going out to eat is one of my favorite things in the whole world because ain't nothing better in life than being served. Somebody say amen. You go to a restaurant and somebody comes up to the table, you just sit there and they, you keep getting to allow yourself to give somebody orders. That's awesome. So you're sitting there, you, other people are making you food. Other people are running to go get that food. This is a fantastic setup. So I like going to restaurants. I like to order. One of the great things that my wife, Julia, who is sitting here on the front row, y'all put your hands together for my beautiful wife, Julia, down here in the front row. 
who is a foodie and has taught me how to order well. Now when I go to restaurants, I used to order bad things. I used to be that dude that when the waiter would bring the food, I would look at everybody else's uh, orders and be like, how come I didn't order that? You ever been in this situation? There is no worse feeling than being at a restaurant and ordering poorly, ordering bad. Now I take pride that my wife has instructed me in the ways of ordering well. So you go to the restaurant, you get a good food order, the waiter keeps bringing you club sodas with lime, you're having a good time. You're just sitting there, you're enjoying your meal. Now, I like the whole dining experience, everything about it. I like, I love to go out to eat, I do it a lot. I love to go sit at a restaurant. The, I only have one little beef with going out to eat, it's that Every soul, you know, in a blue moon, once in a blue moon, you, have, you face that one social predicament where you, you, the check comes. Now, my, by the way, if the check, you and I go out to eat and the check comes, I'm going to beat you to the check. I want to pay for your meal. I will fight you for the check. I want to, please, I want to bless you. You're not blessing me. I'm blessing you. So I want to, be, I don't have a problem picking up the check. What I have a problem with is that one time when the waiter or the waitress comes back and very loudly informs you and the table, sir, your card has been declined. Why do they feel the need to say this so loud into everybody? Sir, we're so sorry. Insufficient funds. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. Couldn't you just like, can, can you not pull me aside? Like, hey, sir, could we talk? Hey, man, so sorry. Like, you ain't got no money in your account. But they got to tell everybody, sir, your card has been rejected. Like it's the worst feeling in the whole world. And then you feel the need socially to explain to everybody at the table why it happened. Oh, that's so crazy. I used it an hour ago. It was been working all day. Like you feel that need, you know what I'm talking about? Like you feel the need and then here, let me give you this card. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about? It's the worst feeling in the whole world, the feeling of not having the funds of what you're trying to pay for. Can I tell you tonight what I get excited about God is that God, his word never returns back to him void. God always delivers. God can always pay for what he speaks because of his character and who he is. Come on, somebody praise God tonight that God can always deliver on what he has spoken. It's that old saying when people talk trash in sports that your mouth is writing checks that your talent cannot deliver. God can deliver on what he speaks because of his character and his nature. Now, love this in Isaiah 55. God is inviting us into the abundant life. God is giving us an invitation to come and live not just a life. I pray to God, this is the passion of why we started a church in the city of angels, the greatest city on the planet. We did not come just so that people could have life, but we believe theologically in Christ, we are invited into the abundant life. That we actually have in Christ more than we need, more than enough. That I'm believing that in Christ, you have more joy, you have more peace, you have more hope, you have more strength than you could ever ask or imagine. That is the abundant life in Jesus. Watch how God invites us into the abundant life in Isaiah 55. The first thing that he says in Isaiah 55, did you notice the language? I'm going to give you five C's to write down in the order of this whole chapter. And here's the first one it starts off with, the first C tonight. He says implicitly, he says, come. Come, watch how God says it. Come, anybody that is thirsty, come. And, and watch what he said. Um, 
come and buy bread and wine and I know you can't even afford it. So in other words, God is saying, I know you don't have sufficient funds to come and get what I can offer, but this is a free gift. Salvation doesn't cost you anything because I've already paid for it. I paid my one and my only son. Jesus gave his life so that you might have everlasting life. He said, come if you're thirsty. In other words, God is acknowledging bankrupt souls. God is acknowledging those that thirst for something more authentic. God is acknowledging the fact that some of us, you might have a lot of money, but you have a lot of torment. God is saying, come if you're thirsty, if you're needy, if you're desperate, if you're broken, come. You need to know this about God, that God's invitation into this kingdom, it is not for the red or the blue. It is for everybody. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter whether you voted on Tuesday. It doesn't matter whether you protested yesterday. God says this invitation is for everybody. It's for minorities. It's for atheists. It's for Muslims. It's for broken people. It's for hurting people. Come on, somebody thank God tonight if you believe that this invitation to come, it is not for the elite. It is not for the exclusive. It is for anybody that is willing to come. Like, check your email from God. God sent you an Eventbrite email. Respond if you want to come. Come. Doesn't matter your background. Doesn't matter whether you grew up in a bad home or a good home. Doesn't matter whether you grew up in a single parent household. You got both parents. I don't care what you did last night, last summer, last year. Come. If you want to come, God says, come, come, come. Just come. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't think, I don't care if you think you're good, you're bad, or, you, or you're the worst ever. Just come. Just, it starts with come. The, the, the whole gospel has, is an invitation from heaven for anybody that is open and willing to come is able to come. This is Isaiah 55, God saying it. But Jesus also echoes these words in the gospel where God would go around, Jesus would go around, and he'd look at tax collectors, and he'd look at fishermen, and he'd look at people. One lady was possessed by seven demons. And he told this lady, Mary, he said, you can come too. One lady was caught in the middle of adultery. He said, you can come too. That literally the invitation of heaven is not for a few. It's not for elite. It's not for the religious prejudice. It is literally for anybody that is willing to come. Come. Last night I had some people over to watch a football game and I texted a few people and said, come. God is inviting you. And the first thing he wants you to do is just Show up. Come. So he says, anybody that thirsts and is hungry and wants to can come. This is for everybody. And, um, and not only do I want you to just to show up, but when you show up, one is come, but write down number two, I want you to, number two, call. So he says, number one, let's make it clear that I'm the one doing the inviting but when you show up, I don't want you just to show up with your arms folded like, yo, yo, you should be, you should be thankful that I even showed up. Like, yo, you, you're blessed because I'm here. We're not blessed because you're at church tonight. We're not blessed just because you showed up. Ain't nothing worse when you, you, you ever be with some people and they come over to your house and everybody's on their cell phone texting and you're together, but you're not together. No, God says when you come, the, 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 I want you to show up, but I want you to call upon my name. 
It says, call upon the name of the Lord while it can still be called upon. Find God while he can still be found. In other words, I don't want you just to show up, but I want you to show up in a manner where you're calling. In other words, it's going to take a little bit of faith for you to admit that you need a higher power. It's going to take a little bit of humility for you to say, I cannot sort life myself. I've found myself in this situation. I found myself in this sin cycle. I'm dealing with loneliness, depression, anxiety, addiction. I've got this. I need to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says all those who call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Anybody thankful today that you didn't just get an invite, but come on, you got an invitation to call upon the name of the Lord. Call on God. What would your life look like if you started to call on God more? Call on God when you face stuff. You know what America needs right now? America, our country, needs to call on God. Your life the same. For your finances, for your relationships, for your future, for your dreams, call on God. You remember that show when they used to have contestants on there and they say, okay, what do you want to do? You can, um, you can, you can, you can ask the audience, you can uh, X out uh, two of the four uh, you know, uh, guesses, or you can phone a friend. You can phone somebody and ask for help. Calling on God is asking for help. Calling on God is saying, God, if I could do this on my own, I would do this on my own. But I admit I cannot find everlasting life in myself. I cannot find the solutions in myself. I've got to call on God. So first he says, show up. And the next thing he says is admit that you need someone else. Admit that you need my help. Admit, admit that you need my power. Anybody thankful tonight that you and I didn't just get an invitation, but we got a roadmap on how to show up that when I show up, I can get on my hands and get on my knees and I could call upon the name of the Lord. Come on, the name of the Lord is not just greatly to be praised. The name of the Lord can be called upon with strength. So he says, come, come, come. Anybody, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. I don't care if you grew up in church. This is your first time in church. Anybody can come. Anybody, anybody can come to church. I don't care if you're a believer, not a believer. You're an atheist, you're a Muslim. I don't care what you're dealing with. Anybody can come. And when you come, all that I ask is that you call. Call on my name. Call on my power. Call on my strength. Don't call on yourself. Don't call on humanity. Don't call on your yoga namaste. Don't call on that. <laughs> call on me. Call on God. And then watch what God says. He just watch. God is a God of order. So he just goes in order. Come. Anybody who wants to come can come. And when you come, call upon the name of the Lord while you may be found. And just a heads up. This is verse number eight. Verse number nine. He says, just a heads up. When, just so you know, just so we on the same page, when you call upon my name, I just want to let you know that you and I are on different levels. I want to make it abundantly clear that when you're calling on my name, unless you forget that you and I do not operate in the same dimension. We don't see life in the same paradigm. You and I have different perspectives. Watch God's language. He says, just a heads up, my thoughts are above your thoughts. My ways are so above your ways. I'm on a, uh, listen, you can compare LeBron James and Michael Jordan all you want. You can compare whether Los Angeles is New York or New York is better and LA wins every time. You can compare fashion labels. You can compare friendships. You can compare athletes. But when it comes to you and God, there is no comparison. God is in a class all by himself. In fact, there's no other God like our God. He is the most holy. He is the most mighty. He is the most powerful. Oh, you ought to praise God in the 7 p.m. 
you believe that his thoughts are above our thoughts and his ways are above? Come on, 7 p.m. It's the last service of the night. Anybody believe that he is higher? He is greater. He is bigger. He is stronger. Come on, anybody praising tonight? The greatest God, the undefeated God, the most high God. Come on, you make some noise in the 7 p.m. If you believe he is greater and bigger and above all things. God is reminding you and unless you forget, he said, just as the difference between you and I is you have thinking, but my thinking is above your thinking. You, you, your thinking is very uh, uh, human. You, in, fa in fact, you have duplistic thinking. You have evil thinking. Your thoughts can get emotionally stimulated. You're sporadic in your thinking. You're emotional in your thinking. My thinking is not like that. When I think, I don't change my mind. The Bible says God does not change his mind. God has made up his mind. He's on a whole nother level. He thinks in, in terms of the world. You think in terms of your life. God thinks in terms of the humanity. You think in terms of your bank account. God says, my thinking is above your thinking. My my ways, my character, my nature is above your way. You have evil ways. You have evil tendencies. You have ill motives. You have selfish gain. My ways are above that. I am selfless to the core. I am committed. I am faithful. My ways are above your way. Anybody thankful tonight that we're not here worshiping a God that's kind of like you? He's in a class all by himself. He is undefeated, undisputed. Come on, somebody praise God in the seven if you believe that there's no comparison. You can compare Muhammad. You can compare some other God. God that's dead, but our God is alive. Our God rules. He reigns. He is seated upon the throne. There's no comparison when it comes to God. He's saying, come. Come. Anybody can come. But when you, when you come, just make sure that it's very clear that I'm asking you and requiring of you. The invitation is free, but all it would cost you is to call. And I just want to make sure that when you're calling on my name, that you and I are on the same page. I cannot be compared to a man, not a politician, not a president, not a pastor, not a parent. I'm in a league all by myself. It's no comparison. He's saying my thoughts are above your thoughts and my ways are above your ways. Now God, in all of his wisdom, lays this framework and this invitation groundwork so that he can get to what I think he's most excited about here in this section, Isaiah 55. I think he's really excited about what he lands here in verse number 10 and verse 11. Come, anybody that's thirsty, you, you, can, you can come. Call upon my name. When you call on my name, just a heads up, there's no comparison. And he said all that so he can say this. Verse number 10, listen to the language. He says, um, <clears throat> you know how this, the rain comes down or the snow will fall and it will, will come down and hit the ground and from this rain and snow, it will produce in the ground and out of this will come life. And he uses language like seed for the sower or bread for the eater. All of this comes, he says, from the rain. He says, just like that, so is my word. He says, my word, when it goes out, it never comes back to me empty. In other words, it never comes back to me void, but it always accomplishes the task that I send my word to accomplish. 
In other words, God is saying this. When I say something, it never is empty. It never comes back unfulfilled. If I send my word out to heal, it's going to heal. If I send my word out to deliver, it's going to deliver somebody. If I send my word out to correct, it's going to correct them. If I send my word, my word, never, it, my word is mission possible. My word is undefeated. My word, you can here, write down number four. Number four is confidence. Come, call, comparison, confidence. He's saying you can put all your confidence in my word. You can build all your future on my word. You can build America, the country, on my word. You can build your business on my word. You can build your future on my word. You can raise your children on my word. You can have your marriage on my word. Anybody thankful tonight that you can have confidence in what God says and what God speaks in Jesus' name? Saying, put confidence in my word. Now, now God has given us, he's given us a word picture and showing us that when he sends his word out to do something, it will always accomplish the task it was sent out to accomplish. Ain't nothing worse than when you send somebody to the store and you send somebody to the store and you say, hey, I need you to go to the store. I need you to pick up some milk, pick up some eggs, and you pick up some bread and, and you get specific, this type of milk, this type of egg, this type of bread, and this type of juice. And they come back and they mess up the order. This ever happened to you? And you get so upset. Don't, ladies, all you nudged your man at the same time. Like I've seen so many elbows fly right there. It looked like WWF. Be kind in church. God's saying, when I send my word out to do something, it never messes up the task. Let's give you four things that God's word was sent out to do in your life. Number one, it was sent out to revive you. God gave you his word to revive you. God wants to revive you by his word. Watch what it says in Psalm 119, verse 154. Revive us according to your word. Isn't it amazing you come here on Sunday and come to the 7 p.m. service, you get, you get the word of God in you, you get all revived in your spirit, you get all excited. Come Monday, you got a little bit of that going on. Come Tuesday, it's waning a little bit more. Come Wednesday, Thursday, by the time you get to next Sunday, it's like, I need to get in church because I need the word. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I need to get revived again. When God's word gets back in it, revive starts on the inside of you. Revival is not what we need in Los Angeles. Revival is what we need in your soul. And when you get God's word in your heart and you get God's word, it speaks to you and revives you and revives dreams that have been dead and, and plans and goals that you've made. And when you get the word of God in your life, it will revive you. Write down number two. It will also heal you. Things that have been broken, relationships that have been broken, thinking patterns that have been broken, uh, things in you that have become destructive. When you get God's word in your life, it will heal your body bones. Watch what it says here in Psalms and another Psalm that we can read together in 107 verse 20. He sent his word and it healed them almost like an ointment or something that would heal a headache. Today in the, in the 12 PM, I, I, I got vertigo. And, and, and so I had to take some medicine for the, and I took the medicine and, and it, you know, cause the room was spinning. It's like, my God, I don't know what, why, why is the room spinning? All I've had is coffee and coffee usually makes me feel better. And, um, and I take something, it brings healing. When you get God's word in your life, things that have been disoriented and things that have been confusing, it will literally bring healing to the situation. It will bring healing to relationships. And you get God's word, it's like taking medicine for your soul. So number one, it will revive you. Number two, it will heal you. Number three, I love this one, it will guide you. Psalm 119, verse 105. This is the whole scripture we're basing the series off. Thy word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
Some of you are trying to govern your life in the darkness, wondering what to do about stuff, wondering where you should move and wondering, but should, should I marry so-and-so and should I do this? And you're trying to fumble through the dark and you get God's word on the situation and it's a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. And all of a sudden I can see things. That's like, oh, I can see it. Oh, that, I'm, I'm not supposed to go right. I'm supposed to go left. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a, isn't it amazing? Who would have thought when we were growing up like a flashlight was so old school and nobody have a flashlight and now we praise God for Steve Jobs who put a flashlight in our iPhone <laughs> who would have thought that we'd use a flashlight that much anybody use your flashlight on your iPhone Samsung people don't try and raise your hand to fit in <laughs> I'm trying to act cool you ain't cool the whole thing gonna explode right now in Jesus name oh God <laughs> at least you in church pray for healing <laughs> pray for a new phone <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> Who would have? I use that thing all the time. Anybody else? Like I use my flashlight and flip that thing up, you know, and you hit the little button and the flashlight's on. It's like, because it's dark. And can I tell you what God's word does when you get God's word on a situation? And you didn't know what to do. And it becomes as clear as day. It will guide you. This last week from Wednesday morning to today, God's word has guided me through every day this last week. It has literally, in a dark world where the world is flipped upside down, God's word is, when it's dark, I've got the word of God. To lamp. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Write down number four. Here's what God's word will do. It will teach you. And I love this about the Bible. It will teach you how to live. You ever go to Barnes and Nobles and you see all those books and it's like so-and-so thing for dummies? You know, like writing class for dummies, technology for dummies, rapping for dummies. I read that one, shoot. And um, it's like all that you, and you, you read these books because you learn how, and it teaches you how to do something. God's word will literally teach you how to live. It will teach you how to excel. It will teach you how to prosper. God's word will literally teach you how to operate in today's society. Watch what the Bible says. The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. In other words, when you read the Bible, God takes the simple and it makes you wise. In other words, Proverbs says, these sayings make the simple-minded clever. I don't care what you got on your SAT score. If you get the Bible in you, you're going to be wise. God will teach you how to behave, how to operate, how to treat people, how to be pure sexually, how to be upright before the Lord, how to handle your finances, what to do with your time, what to do with your mind, how to steward the temple of the Lord, which is your body. God's word will teach you how to live. Is anybody thankful today that we can have confidence in the word of God? Come, call on me. There's nobody like me. And put your confidence in my word, which will never fail. Just as the rain comes down and the snow comes down and it produces something from the ground. So my word, when it goes forward, it will not come back to me empty. There are some of you, the reason why you're here tonight is because the word of God got into your life when you were eight years old, when you were 10 years old, when you were 12 years old and your parents used to drug you to Sunday school and that word got in you. It's still operating you. Some of you are so bad at sinning because you're convicted by the Holy Spirit and the 
word is still operating in you. That word is not dead in you. It's still alive in you. It's working even when you can't see it. And even when your parents should have given up on you, they knew not to give up because they put the word of God in you. If you're a parent here tonight, you ought to speak and declare the living, breathing word of God over your children because the Bible says when we're older, we will not depart from it. Is anybody thankful today that when the word goes forward, I don't care how long it takes, that thing is undefeated. It cannot be brought down. Come on, somebody praise God tonight. If you believe in the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. So God is saying, put your confidence in my word. Don't you trust anything above my word? Come. When you come, call. And just make sure you know that you're not calling to an ordinary God or your buddy or your friend or your pal. I am so far above you. And you can put all your confidence into what I say and who I am because my word, you might have gotten your credit card, come back from some waiter, and they said insufficient funds, but my word, when it goes out, it is so undefeated. It cannot be taken down. And watch how he ends. The invitation to the abundant life. He says, if you put your confidence in my word, he said, then you will have, write down the fifth and final point tonight, worship team, come join me if you can. If you put your confidence in my word, you will have the change that you're looking for. The change that you need. The change that you desire and you're praying for, it's actually not found in your do-goodism or your morals or your behaviors, your church attendance or your prayer life. But the change that you need comes from trusting and having confidence in my word. Listen to the language that he uses. He goes, you know, instead of, um, if you do this, um, he said nations will hear about it and this will be for the glory of God and, and watch the, the word picture he gives. He goes, if you do this, watch how much will change. He said, instead of, um, instead of thorn bushes, you'll get junipers. Like, what is that? <laughs> he goes, instead of briars, you'll get myrtle. I, was, I read that, I was like, God, do I want junipers? <laughs> like, our, our myrtle's dope and I don't know about it. Because when I hear myrtle, I think of Myrtle Beach right away and I was like, yo, vacation, I'm down. Because <laughs> like, put all your confidence here and you get junipers and myrtles. <laughs> I'm like, awesome, but I don't know if I want those, God. God is speaking in metaphor. And he's saying, if you, if you have confidence in me, then I will begin to produce in your life what you cannot produce on your own. And all of a sudden you get myrtles. You, things are growing. They're blossoming. There, there's flowers. There, what is thorn bushes and briars? That's like, that's like having weeds and, and thorn bushes and, and all this stuff of torment, which, which is symbolic of something that is futile or desert-like. But God says, you put your confidence in me. And all of a sudden, junipers begin to grow. By the way, a juniper tree can grow up to 60 feet tall. God is saying, I will produce the change in your life that you cannot produce on your own. I will make things grow like your attitude and I'll make your favor grow and I'll make your name grow and I'll make your church grow and I'll make your children grow and I'll make your business grow and I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. It all starts with putting your confidence in me, but then the change that you've been desiring, it comes because I can start changing stuff. I'm telling you tonight that you and 
I have been invited into the abundant life that comes from heaven, but you cannot change yourself. It starts with saying, I'm going to believe in God's word. I'm going to stand on God's word. I'm going to trust in God's word. And I'm going to trust that God's going to do for me what I cannot do for myself. Come on, stand to your feet tonight, Zoe. Is anybody thankful tonight that we can literally build our lives on the living, breathing word of the Lord? Come on, let's applaud and thank God tonight. I just find it so interesting that most of us want change in America, but we don't want to put confidence in God's word. Anything you try and change yourself, you'll fail every time. But when you lose control and you say, God, I'm going to trust your word, that your word is working even when I cannot see it. That's when the change comes. And all of a sudden you look back and all of a sudden you're like, when did I get junipers? These are such beautiful myrtles. Because the invitation starts with a come. But ain't it just like God to end in a change? God's not inviting you to do a church service so you can come and spectate. He's inviting you into abundant life so you can be transformed and renewed and changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, anybody tonight putting your confidence in the Word of God. Come on, lift your hands high. Come on, stretch them both. Father, tonight, we trust in your name tonight, and we look to you and you alone. We thank you that we trust not in riches or mammon. We trust not in chariots or horsemen, but our trust is in the name of the Lord. Tonight, we put our confidence in your word. God, if you said to come, we're going to come. If you said to call, we're going to call. If you said comparison, there is no comparison. And confidence, our confidence is in you. Oh, come on, let's worship tonight. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.